Welcome to Garbage of the Five Rings, a podcast dedicated to exploring the weird, stupid, and maybe sometimes compelling parts of Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Amelia Antrim, and I am joined by Jude Vase, and today we pick up with the actual fucking clan wars, which are maybe actually happening now. Tonight we're covering a few specific events, which will be taking place between the summer of 1126 and the spring of 1127. Maybe. More or less. More or less. Depending on which timeline you're looking at. Oh, the eternal question. Right. A few notes before we get into it. In the time between the last episode and this one, we mentioned uh, Kaze no Shiro, and boy are we glad that that site exists. Except it doesn't now, kind of. Uh, Apparently the host has decided to turn it in. And now it's on a weird WordPress archive. So that sucks. All the links broke on the wiki. And that made our job real fun. Yeah. But if uh, you are interested in this stuff, I highly recommend you hit up that WordPress archive and download it all now before that goes away too. Otherwise, uh, at least it's there in some form, and hopefully that doesn't go anywhere. And I would love if a better fiction archive someday replaced Kaze no Shiro, uh, but it would be quite a bit of effort. So, And, you know, we must suffer for our art. That's, I mean, we were already suffering (laughs) (laughs) for this podcast. (laughs) Having Kaze no Shiro's links broken really just is salt in the wound. (laughs) It hurts. (laughs) We also talked last time about how we were pretty sure that no one playing the CCG at the time understood what was going on, but then we did a survey, and maybe we were wrong. Yeah, that survey was super whack. We put a survey up on the Facebook group asking people a couple of questions, but the two big ones were, we asked people who played during the Clan Wars era, did you understand the storyline, and where did you get your information from? And the answers kind of surprised us because the answers we got were yes, for the most part, like 75% said yes, and like 90% said they got it from the flavor text, which was surprising because I would have said no, hell no, and the fictions, those would have been my guesses. But going back and looking at the flavor text, it is easy to see where you would have gotten a lot of the storyline from so i guess that makes sense but i i still am surprised that people understood a lot of this stuff because it's pretty thin some of this storyline that you get from the cards maybe people weren't looking at it in the level of detail that we are though that's fair yeah so you're just like this is a person and vaguely this thing is happening they are not trying to figure out exactly when the battle of baden pass took place yeah maybe the the depth of the narrative they they understood was not quite what we've come to expect for L5R and what we're trying to, to bring to you all now. Yeah. But, I mean, going back and reading the cards was helpful. It's just hard when there's, like, 50 of them one sentence at a time, like, not yeah, in order. It definitely takes a certain amount of parsing that we hadn't been doing quite the, quite the same way so we we put a little more work into parsing the cards out and that helped so that was really informative so that was cool yes, definitely we'll be doing that again in the future i suspect 
Mm -hmm. with all of our mistakes out of the way. Let's get on to their mistakes and talk about some clam wars. Oh, yeah. Our first section, which Amelia has helpfully titled Cats and Birds Are Enemies, we are going to be talking about the Lion-Crane War. The Lion and Crane War sets really a tone that will carry through for the whole rest of L5R, but is one that is not well established until this point in the game or until this point in the fiction. I think a fundamental part of L5R is like, oh, everybody knows that the lion and the crane hate each other. Like, that's just a fact. And this is where where we find that out but also like it's not entirely super clear from the beginning why that is yeah this is where they're establishing a lot of the tropes of what the lion are what the crane are and that they hate each other but there's also a lot of you should just accept that this is the way this is or there's a lot of there's there's a lot they're expecting you to just take on context Uh, we talked a little bit last week about some of this or last episode about some of the lion crane stuff, but this is where we really get into the meat of it. Mm-hmm. So let's let's dive in. Apparently, it's a really old hostility. We do learn that diving into some of these. Toshi Ranbo is a city that they've traded back and forth, and looking at the various references, we find that it's apparently been handed back and forth between them a couple of times over the last thousand years. But historically, the emperor has kept them in check. Guess who's not doing that now? Oh, is it the emperor? Yeah. You know why? Your favorite. His bitchy wife <laughs> is poisoning him. That's right. Yep. So there's nobody around to just like slap them into shape and say, suck it up, buttercup. Handle it. Yeah. Which brings us to our second unfortunate female characterization of L5R. And that's that the Lion Crane War is really a pretty ugly misnomer because that implies that the crane fought back or that they were in any way sort of mutual aggressors in this. The Lion Crane War really should be called Suko goes on a fucking rampage and needs to chill the fuck out. For sure. Matsu Tsuko is, at the time the story starts, the Lion Clan champion and the, the Matsu Clan daimyo. And she has some serious fucking anger issues. She like she hardcore needs some therapy. She needs to like talk it out, maybe do some like deep breathing or something. She reading these fictions, she strikes me as like as the kind of woman who in the past would have been like, oh, hysteria. Yes. Womanly mm. madness. Oh uh, yeah, hundred <laughs> like, percent. That's the way she's written, is just like, oh, <laughs> bitches be crazy. Yeah, no, she's 100% the bitches be crazy trope. Part of her backstory is that she was previously engaged to our favorite beige character, Okoto Totori's brother, uh, Okoto Arosu. Is that how we say it? I don't know. Arosu. Arosu. She was engaged to him, and she felt that he was just the bee's knees. He was reckless and brave and charged like a sack of dumb potatoes straight into battle, and got his dumb ass killed. What more could you want in a man? Right? (laughs) Fan me, man. And she feels like Tutori is just, with all his thinking and his calmness and his 
you know, thinking stuff through is just horseshit. He's a coward and a piece of crap. And she'll God, just have none of it. God, who takes time to plan things? Man, yeah. what an asshole. Their whole relationship characterization, and this is one of those things that I really want to talk to some of these people that responded to our survey. I think I may do a, like a little follow-up. Like, so tell me, what did you think about Suko and Tutori? And I think a lot of the responses will be like, they are pretty good cards. Because <laughs> I can't find a lot on like, until the end of her story, which we won't get to just yet. I can't find a lot. There's like one reference to their relationship. And that's like her meeting him the day he becomes champion. And she's just like this fucking jackass. Like there's no reference to why. She's angry at him for not being his brother. Like, fuck you. You're not a different person. Yeah. And I think this is a thing I'm coming to get comfortable with. Uh, for certain values of that word with early L5R. And that's that they give you one piece of a story, like one scene, and you just kind of have to assemble the rest of the story around that one scene. There's so much extrapolation going on. Yeah, there you go. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Yeah, there's so much extrapolation you have to do. So you see, here's Tsuko's, here's like six pieces of flavor text about Tsuko being a reckless bitches be crazy, you know, freak out. And then here's this one scene with her not not liking Tutori because he's too calm and passive. And you just kind of have to put it all together in your head what's going on there. And I think that's just kind of, I mean, I, I and I get it. The writers were trying to, you know, they were trying to do a lot with a little. So they kind of just had to make the most of it. But it makes Tuko look real bad. Yeah, I mean, she's just... Her characterization is thin and shitty, to to put a summary on the end of this. Right. So to be fair, like, she's had this traumatic thing happen to her. This man that she was in love with is, like, dead, and she watched it happen. You're going to have some issues. But, like, the whole story of her after that is just, like, it makes her stupid. She Mm. is this crazy, grief-maddened woman who, like, can't get past that or think through like that is her defining feature is i'm sad and angry yeah who is going to start a war with not one but two clans and routinely ignores sage advice from her advisors like there's multiple cards where you see there's a set of cards i can't remember who the other personality is but one card is like mr suko we must do this and the other and then there's a suko card where she's like fuck off buddy i'm gonna go be angry it's just like, oh, God, they, they're yep. really pushing this narrative that she's just like batshit angry all the time. So. Yep. So we've got some uh, some super cool ladies yeah. going on here. Yeah. Very and exciting. I think that's the final point we want to make here is that these are two of the three female characters that we have named in the game here. We've got Kachiko, Tsuko, and Itomi are like the three big female characters we've got so far. And two of them are real bad characters Mm -hmm. so that's that's a good look early on right anyway to return to the narrative the summary um, (laughs) now that we've gone on that diatribe yeah in 1124 according to imperial histories the lion and the crane i guess have been kind of at each other's throats a little bit but it's been on the dl since like 1124 uh but the war starts to escalate in 1126 when tsuko retakes Toshi Ranbo 
apparently out of spite for no particularly good reason and does so even though the phoenix are intervening uh, on behalf of the crane so she picks a fight with the crane and with the nerd birds purely out of spite there's no real good reason for it at the same time the crane are also under attack by the crab and their shadowlands reinforcements so the crane are in a hard place so did she just take it out on the crane because she was like fuck you, I've always hated the crane anyway, and now I'm mad, so I'm going to do this? Or, like, was there... Part of why why Tsuko is so very angry uh, with the crane is that is that Arasu was... When he was killed, it was during a charge on the Daidoji, and he got a little ahead of himself and was slaughtered while she was watching from, like, a hill far away by a bunch of Daidoji, which is bound to leave a mark. Uh, psychologically on one. Right. So, so she's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start a fucking war. And genocide a clan. Well, maybe it's not genocide in that case, but. Right. Well. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to eradicate a clan. That's what yes. I'm going to do. Right. That's, you know what? This is a reasonable and proportional response to my anger, which she would have learned in therapy, but she didn't get therapy. So yeah. she just beat an angry bitch. Yeah, it's it gets out of control so fast. It's I mean, it's bananas to me that it's just like and I understand that there was so much tension. But like, as soon as it tips, it's like instantaneous. Like, yeah, she goes, let's murder everyone. Yeah, she goes from this, you know, low key skirmishing with the crane to first she's takes Toshi Ranbo and then. Immediately, the very next thing she does is she's beefing with Tutori, but then the coup happens, so Tutori's gone, so she's in charge, and she's like, all right, fuck yeah, I'm gonna go start some wars. For my first act as clan champion, I declare war. Yeah, exactly. Good plan. Good plan. So she takes Toshi Rambo, and then she bumps into Shiba Tsukune, who is out hunting Isawa Tadaka, doing some stuff, which we'll talk about later. Oh, those two. Yeah. So Tsukune is looking for Tadaka and comes across a lion army. And this is a this is a really good fiction. The Shugenja in charge of the lion army is like, fuck off, Tsukune. And Tsukune just routes this motherfucker. Now I want you to, a rational champion, what do you think a rational clan leader would say? If their army bumped into another clan champion in another clan's territory, wasn't in lion territory, it was in, cl- in crane territory. Right. So the lion are in crane territory. The mm-hmm. phoenix are passing through and they bump like, into this lion army and the lion. I'm like, I'm gonna pick a fight. You know what? I hate all birds now. Yeah. Shockingly, Matsu, calm demeanor Tsuko, takes this defeat sensibly and declares a blood feud on Shiba Tsukune. She's not just angry about the situation. She declares a fucking blood feud on Shiba Tsukune over this. Chill AF. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But don't worry. Don't worry. She's not the only completely batshit sociopathic lion for us to talk about. Oh, Oh no. Oh, my God. Oh, no. We got... This guy. This fucking guy. Yeah. Uh, they are Who's establishing... supposedly her cousin. 
Yeah. But then again, aren't they all like uh, he's Related. a Matsu? So yeah. right. So we're ta- we're going to talk about Matsu Gohei, and they're really establishing the reputation of the Matsu early on here. So let's talk about who's Matsu Gohei. Matsu Gohei is the guy that she put in charge of taking Toshi Ranbo. Toshi Ranbo is guarded by the Tsume, which are a vassal family of the Crane. So Gohei gets in there, and he just slaughters them. Slaughters the Tsume, the civilians, everybody. And he apparently won't even take allow people to take to commit seppuku at one point there's a reference in the wiki which i can't find an official reference for but that he killed any who didn't have the courage to do it so any that wouldn't commit seppuku he would kill it's is that like any of the people that were with him that wouldn't no the civilians kill okay uh yeah so basically he just not just the men but the women and the children yeah god It's grim. And from this, he earns the nickname The Butcher, which is pleasant. But apt. Yeah. So this is... Gohei's a weird character uh, to step sort of out of the narrative of what what a shitheel Gohei is. This is one of those fun things when you try and do research on old L5R. This guy's fucking storyline is all over the place. So Imperial Histories mentions the fall of Toshi Ranbo, but not Gohei's role in it. Time of the Void has one version of the events, but the cards have another, but not all of the events. And then different books put the date, different RPG supplements put the dates in different places. It's, it's a hot mess. I think about the only thing we can say, I mean, the thing that we decided when we started this was that we would just trust that the last thing AEG said was more or less what they intended. Right. Which is pretty specious sometimes. But so I think we can safely say that Matsu Gohei sacked Toshi Ranbo and slaughtered the, the occupants and earned himself the nickname The Butcher. And he's a real bad dude. And Tsuko ordered him into the into Toshi Ranbo to do it, knowing what kind of a fellow he was. Apparently having taken leave of her senses after the whole Phoenix debacle. So, yes, she was just, I don't know having a walkabout like what was she doing during that she was just like you know what i'm gonna turn around what i don't know can't hurt me i don't even think she cared that much for real i don't think that i do not believe that that suko would look at the slaughter of a bunch of crane civilians and be like oh my i didn't mean that i don't think she'd care God i think suko's over that line she's a fucking psychopath yeah cool mm-hmm. cool so cool. the last event that we've got for the Lion Crane War here is the Battle of Kyuden Kikita in the month of the hair, 1127, which is the spring of 1127. The crab, uh, led by Sukune, who's still alive at this point. Spoilers. But not Sukune. Sukune. Yeah, not Sukune. I want to point this out Sukune. because this is going to be a problem. The phoenix, she was Sukune. T.S., the crab, Hita Sukune, just a regular S. Mm-hmm. We were like, you know what would be super cool if we put them in the same storyline <laughs> at the same time. And you know what would even be even more awesome if we made two best friends and we named them Toturi and Hoturi. Yeah. That would be cool. There's two Dainis too. you. 
L5R. Fuck you. Yeah, I know. I saw that. There's like a unicorn one. No, there's um dragon and the dragon the the Hitomi's brother and then the yeah, yeah, Hitomi's brother and then somebody else. And then is that right? No. Yeah, that's right. The point is that there are lots of names in the world. And to be fair, in L5R, they're making shit up anyway. Like half of these are not real names. I think this is a funny thing because in the latter part of the game, L5R got a reputation for just making up batshit ass names. And I think they must have gotten sensitive to people being like, you've already used this name four times. What the fuck? And they're like, all right, fine. Now you've got, you know, Matsu Funko Pop. What do you want now, <laughs> motherfuckers? It's, yeah, but like, they weren't at that point yet. That's the thing that baffles me is that like, they weren't at that point yet where they had, you know, supposedly run out of names. So why do you have characters that have almost the same name or do have the same name or like... I wonder if they were working from like a pseudo-historical name naming convention or naming list or something? Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like if you're trying to tell a story that's already complicated, why... You know, like, you only have what... Mm, I can't do math. I don't know. You have, like, what, 21 family names, let's say. And why would you make first names the same? I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Why? Why? Oh, God, why? Okay, anyway, done with that aside. Sukune, Sukune, not the same person. Yeah. Anyway, so the crab led by Hida Sukune, the dude, the dude, show up uh, at Kyuden Kikida with the lion because this is how far Suko has has dropped that she's perfectly fine hanging out with the crab who are already into their Shadowlandsy bullshit and have made it very clear that they are mm-hmm. against the emperor. Yeah. The crane send a message to the emperor to intercede, but he's napping. So <laughs> the, the lion and the crab raise the castle. The dragon, who are hanging out with Tatori, and Sukune's phoenix finally show up to reinforce the crane, which forces Sukune to retreat to Baden's Pass, which we'll talk about later, next episode. But oh, who boy. Who boy. Just you wait. But it's obviously too late for Akute and Kikita, which I guess they'll rebuild because it's like carded in every version of the game. So couldn't have been too bad, too big of a fire, I guess. Um, hey, they rebuilt Chicago, didn't they? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, but it's a big deal. They make a big, a big hoot out of the fact that that the lion raised Akute and Kikita. But it's an important place. Yep. Oh man. So. What do we what do we learn from this? Like, what's our our takeaway here? Um, I think our takeaway here, I, I mean, I think we've gone on at sufficient length about how bad Suko is in this. Uh, the takeaway is that the lion are on a fucking rampage and they're fighting everybody in sight, align with anybody that will help them, and willing to go to war with anybody that gets in their way. For no real discernible purpose like there's doesn't there's no real goal in mind other than fuck you yeah they're just off the leash basically um and i think the one thing that i do want to emphasize here uh that maybe these events don't our our depiction of these events haven't emphasized yet is 
Tsuko is being directed by Kachiko slash the Emperor. In spite of all this nuttiness she's doing, she's still hanging on to her honor, air quotes, and thinks she's being a loyal samurai. So when the Emperor tells her, you know, she's holding on to this notion that, well, the Emperor isn't telling me I can't go fucking slaughter folks, so I guess I'm good to go, Um, which will be relevant later. But, like, I don't wake up every morning and wait for my mom to tell me not to murder someone. Like, I yeah. just don't do that. Uh, yeah. No, I... I, I same. Uh, but this is a thing that will become relevant to her storyline later on. She's clinging to this idea that she that she is remaining loyal to the Emperor and she still has her honor. So she can get away with all this as long as the Emperor isn't telling her not to. Yeah. Because he's napping. Yeah. Because he's taking a little, little cat nap. Yeah. Well, little hauntai nap. <laughs> Meanwhile, while all of that's going on, our good friend Totori the Beige. Totori the Bland. Totori the Boring. God. Anyway, Totori the Black, technically, right? Is that what they're they're calling him now? Yeah, but that's that's too cool of a name for a guy this boring. I know. I'm with Hitomi on this one. I would be offended, too, if somebody... Sorry, I'm getting ahead of you here. Yeah. So, meanwhile, Togashi Yokuni, Mystic Mountain Man, decides that Champion he likes... Champion of the dragon. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess also that too. But also, weird mountain dude. He decides that he likes Totori better than he likes Hitomi. Hitomi is supposed to be leading the dragon clan armies. But Togashi Yokuni, in his infinite wisdom and knowing things, but not ever telling anyone decides that Toturi is the better choice. And he is supposedly the greatest general in the Empire when he led the lion armies, and the dragon are going to need him if they are going to fight back the crab. But I don't understand why it's the dragon's job to fight the crab. They're fine in their mountains. Crab aren't coming for them. They're on, like, the opposite side of the Empire. I'm looking at my map just to be sure that I'm correct. Yes, they are. So... (laughs) I don't know why Yokuni is like, why this is his hill to die on, I guess. Other than he knows things, which like we find out later. Spoilers, everyone. But I yeah. feel like this is the first hint that we get that like he knows more than the rest of us. Yeah, I think they've Yokuni has been depicted as being mysterious a lot. And I think they're definitely playing into that here as well. Yeah. Uh, I also think they, I don't know, maybe they just were like, well, it's a Tori. We got to do something with Tori. What can we do with Tori? could piss off a Tomi. Yeah, all right, that works. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I you don't know. You know what this... would be cool? If we somehow had another lady. Be mad at Tori. Right? Who also just, you know, we're going to, we're just going to like rule her out as anybody cool. Yeah. Let's give her job to a dude. Yeah. It was the 90s. Um, Early 2000s. Whenever this was. <laughs> 96, 97? It was the there. 90s. Um, Different yeah. times. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about this one. I, I really... I, I'm not clear on, on what the dragon what deal was there. Maybe that's what they were aiming for. Maybe they were really aiming for, what the fuck, dragon? And in that case, cheers, John Wick. You nailed it. Yeah, and I can't tell if I if I only think that because I know where this goes or if that's because what they're actually 
foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, the the fictions around this whole situation are hot garbage because they are basically like they read like a strategy guide for playing the card game. It's yeah. like you wrote this fiction entirely like it's like an in-character explanation of how to play the game. It's it's real bad. It talks about like their ranged attacks and how they can they have a skill in dueling and are Shigenjo. I like that they call you, them Shigenjo wizards, which is super cool. Read the whole quote. It's real good. Oh my god. Our ranged attacks can kill many before the battle begins, and the skill of our samurai and yaijutsu duel are unmatched in Rokugan. Our Shigenjo wizards will also give us much-needed support with their powerful elemental magics. Using the five elements to your advantage will bring you to victory on this day. So like, I'll, I'll translate for you as a player of the CCG. The dragon are have good duelists, lots of Shugenja, and are good at the enlightenment victory condition. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. And I've never played the card game and I could see right through that. So it's just, it's real bad. It's real bad. I think that's really funny. I like that. Shigenja wizards. <laughs> yeah, that one's really good. I do like the not entirely nailing the tone uh, that you see sometimes in the early game where they're like still not always on brand. With some of the stuff like that, like Shugenja wizards and stuff, where they haven't really like settled into the uh, the terminology. It's funny. Yeah. Well, it's also just interesting to see that they're like not quite sure what these fictions are for. Yeah. It feels like they're they're like, okay, this is to help people play the game better. And it's like, no, I think you're supposed to tell a story. <laughs> like, yeah. That's what. But it's pretty clear that they're trying to do both maybe and yeah. doing neither of them very well, I think. The other thing I was thinking of there is how some of the a lot of the flavor text from this era has stuff like uh, quotes from Miyamoto Musashi and the actual Book of the Five Rings and the Art of War. So they're just like sprinkling in a lot, a little bit of the real life stuff in there, yeah. Uh, which they don't do obviously later on. That was I was surprised. Like the first time I started reading flavor text, I was like, "Oh, wait, so is this?" canon that these things exist or are we just like that's vaguely asian i'll put that on there like I think, yeah the latter i think is the obvious answer oh God, for sure. do better yeah Ugh. well I, I i think my suspicion is that when you're trying to produce a game with a shoestring budget which is probably how they made this first edition they're they get down to the end of the line and they're like we have 40 cards that need flavor text anybody want to write 40 cards worth of flavor text Nope. Anybody got a copy of the Book of Five Rings? Cool. Start looking for quotes. Yeah. I'm going to just Google it and see what happens. 1996, man. No Google. Oh, fuck. God. No Google in 1996. Man. Different times. Yeah. (laughs) So Uh, let's... this okay, back on track. <laughs> back on track and, and into your favorite part of this section, uh, Hitomi's reaction to this. Yes. So I, I think that we're going to start a new segment that I'm just going to call Amelia's Casual Sexism Corner. Point of interest. Mm-hmm. Is this you doing the casual sexism? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Why not? I okay. feel like it's my turn, you know? Fair enough. I'm just tired curious. of being, people being sexist at me. I feel like it's my turn. Just asking. 
No, it is where I have my feminist rants, which we are going to have now. Okay. Bring it on. Tomi is not a fan of Tuturi taking her job. Fair. Not unreasonable. That guy sucks. He's disgraced. He lost his clan. He's super boring. But it's L5R. So instead, what we get is Hitomi being impatient and petulant. She's mad at Tuturi for being too patient. She's like, dude, why are you so fucking chill? All this bad stuff's happening. I want to do something now. And yet somehow, when he talks to her, he's like, I'm able to calm her. Because, you know, nothing calms a woman down like a dude being like, be patient. We fucking love that shit. If I've learned one thing in my life, it's that women love it when you're condescending. Yes, man. Like, it's huge turn on. That's what I'm looking for in a dude. Just like, talk to me like I don't know what's going on, you know? No. So that is my feminist rant about Hitomi. Fuck you, L5R. (laughs) Stop doing this to me. There's some real choice quotes that we'll pass over uh, for the sake of Amelia's blood pressure. Oh, my God. It hurts me. They're they're real bad. Uh, They're real bad. We'll just move on, however. Yeah. Yep. I, I just, this is more of not so much the feminist rant, but like, stop making Toturi better than everybody else. He's not better. He's, he's, okay. Yeah. Carry on. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the one thing we will say in Yokuni's favor here is um, Hitomi is probably not the best person to be leading this army because she's, she's got this blood feud thing where. Why does everyone have a blood feud, man? Yeah. She, her brother, Satsu, got his noggin smashed in by Hida Sukune's older brother, Hida Yakimo, Hida Whackamole. Um, oh, God, stop. <laughs> in a duel that is never clearly explained in the clan wars. Um, Was it? No. A side note, Yakimo sounds like the missing Warner brother. <laughs> it really <laughs> <The Animaniacs>. does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway. Um, there is... So we'll get more into Hitomi and Yakimo's bullshit uh, next episode because they will, they will be swapping blows among other things in uh, during the Battle of Baden Pass. So we'll we'll put a we'll put an asterisk on on this uh, in relationship and we'll come back to it. But suffice to say that Hitomi is the opposite of impartial when it comes to this and. Uh, yeah, Yokuni she's got some tunnel vision going on, and she's, like, not interested in all of the other things that she's supposed to be doing. She's got a one-track mind. So while Hitomi potentially has some issues that she needs to deal with here, it could possibly have been resolved. Maybe Yokuni could have just, I don't know, sat her down, done a little therapy, rather than made it worse by giving her army to somebody else. I mean, the dragon are always doing, like, meditation and stuff, you know? I mean, I just think some, like, mindfulness would really help these people. Right. Like, they've got a lot going on. The whole thing feels like it was very clumsily designed to make Taturi look cool. And I, A, don't like that. B, it didn't work. At least for me. I suspect that 
if you had watched a lot of Kurosawa in your teens, and then you sat down to play this game in the 90s, and you were like, which character do I think I'm like? One of these lady types or Tatori? Because when you think about it, I mean, who's who are your options? You've got... Kasada. Well, so you've got WWF the clan in the crab. You've got a bunch of nerd birds. You've got fancy pants crane. Tatori is like the archetypal samurai chap. Yeah, I mean, and I guess so much of this story that we have at this point centers around him. They really set him up like the protagonist. Right. Who else is, like, doing anything? So you have Kasada, but he's clearly the antagonist here. Yeah. Which we talked about last time. Nothing so far. No, and... And he's not gonna do much of anything for a while. No, I mean, other than get fucking captured. Yeah. So, and not on purpose. Yeah. He really... Satori very much is set up as the protagonist here. So they very much are... They really want you to think he's the bee's knees. And... It's really heavy-handed. Yeah. But also, like, maybe do something to make me like him. Yeah. Other I think... than, like, he's Totori and he's good at stuff. What yeah. a nice boy, that Totori. He just seems so nice. You could take him home for dinner. Yeah, and it, what's weird to me also is he's... I, I have to work to separate my knowledge of what I already know about him. I know. From what he's done here, but... Still, what we know about him here is nothing. We've seen no evidence. There's, But what we know about him later, I think, only furthers that point of they set him up to be a protagonist. Yeah. Well, there's so there's two problems with Tatori. One is there's a lot, even for L5R, there's a lot of tell, not show. You're told mm-hmm. what a genius Tatori is. But to this point, we have no evidence whatsoever that he actually is one. And then the second is this as we talked about, this manipulation of Tatori as a protagonist. The third problem with Tatori is that he's just a fucking awful, awful decision maker. Like, every decision he makes is bad, but we won't see that till later. He hasn't made any decisions so far. He's just sort of wandered into scenes and condescended to Hitomi. So well, and he's, we'll get there. He's strategizing. He's thinking, and he's telling her to be patient. So. That's what's so funny to me. Like all these depictions in every version of Tatori, both the old canon and the new canon, have him as this like super contemplative dude. But then, especially in the old canon, like whenever it's time to make a decision, he does the opposite. He blows it. His ability to make the wrong choice every time is just unbelievable. It's really impressive. You got to give him that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we've been we've been dunking on Tatori for like ten whole minutes here, so let's move on. I but like, man, does he deserve it? Well, I mean, this whole Clan Wars era that we're doing here could really just be called Tatori the Dunk Fest. I mean, yep. Meanwhile, yeah, but also there are other people that we want to dunk on. Yep. But uh, right now, we get to talk about cool people, actually, maybe, but also some yeah, dunking. A few of them. We'll get there. We'll see. We're going to talk about some stuff that's going on away from the action to a certain degree. Muscle Tomo, Yoritomo, uh, is off in the background seeing stuff happening, deciding, thinking his moment may be coming. So he starts trying to get his his team together. 
and so one thing that's going on kind of in the background at this time is he's trying to get the minor clan alliance put together. This is another one of those things that's just a fucking hot mess timeline-wise. Every source I read had different timelines for what's going on here. The cards for Yoritomo's alliance begin appearing in the end of this of the edition of the Clan Wars edition, Imperial edition. There's a there's a couple of different RPG supplements that start coming out a little bit after Clan Wars that start giving some timelines for it that throw out dates all over the fucking place, back and forth across the timeline. And then Imperial Histories, uh, a number of years later, uh, revise that timeline. So we're going to talk about it here. We're not going to be too... We're not going to We don't have a specific timeline for dates. you, because they're... That we, mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Those were words. <laughs> yeah. The Here's what we can say. In the original Imperial Edition... We had cards from the Tortoise, Wasp, Falcon, Fox, and Mantis clans that were part of the original Yoritomo's alliance. Additionally, we got a little bit of fiction about the Mantis clan and the Wasp clan, and we got a little bit of text in some of the early RPG supplements about the assembly of the minor clan alliance, specifically about how Yoritomo was sending out ambassadors to all the various minor clans and how some of them were and about how some of them were sending these ambassadors back and some of them were not. And we what we get is a picture of Yoritomo kind of playing a little bit of chess here trying to get his his people in order because he sees he sees things coming together. We don't know we don't really get a lot of in the fictions at least. We don't learn a whole lot about Yoritomo. We do get some cards for him though, and he's a very he's a very muscly behelmeted dude. For um, sure. He could punch you. Yep. It the, would hurt. The art for, for there's some real wacky art in in the Imperial Edition. And the art for him and for Saruchi is super goofball. Saruchi looks like he belongs on a French castle wall. And Yoritomo is I mean, he he looked roided out to like a real bonkers degree, even by like, the standards of like early L five R crab clan dudes. People just don't have that many muscles. Like they're just <laughs> yeah, they just aren't. <laughs> it's rich. It's out there. Like, how do you have muscles in your cheeks? <laughs> That's not right. Yeah. The one thing I will say though is we got a great story at this time called Saruchi, written by John Wick, who we have dunked on quite a bit in these first two episodes. Sup, John. Uh, <laughs> the one person we follow with our Twitter account. Um, yeah. But it's a it's a real fun story, and it tells the history of the Wasp clan, specifically the history of Saruji himself, which is a great story. So I'm going I'm to give a quick recap of it because it's really fun. Do it. Saruji is the son of a scorpion and a lion, a Bayushi and an Okoto. The Interesting father, pair. Yeah, right. The father was the Bayushi, the mother was the Okoto. And the, I, it's not really, I don't really remember exactly how they met. It's not, I don't, I don't even think it says. But what it is said is that their union was not welcome. The lion was dishonored by the marriage and the scorpion was not trusted because of it. The they decided to train him on their own rather than turn him over to the scorpion. And what ended up happening is that 
they became this kind of little standalone castle that wasn't really entirely affiliated with either clan. The castle is uh, became was called Kyun Asin Gabachi, which became a very famous castle later on. When he was 19, before he had reached his Genpuku, the lion and the scorpion decided, eh, fuck it, we're, we're done with this. And the lion took the castle. They killed his parents, and Tsuruchi escaped, but uh, his uncle's army and took some of his most loyal retainers out to the woods, right? This is the part I like, though. He takes these guys out, and he's already a pretty dab hand at the bow. This is what he's sort of well-known for. He goes out and spends a couple years running around in the forest, getting a reputation for being like a Robin Hood type. And then two years later, he comes back, and he kills everybody in the castle everybody in the castle and eventually as I recall both the scorpion and the lion come back to try and kick him out and then the emerald champion who's a crane shows up and this is my favorite part this is good yeah the crane the the crane emerald champion shows up and he says basically he makes the entire wasp family Basically, Tsuruchi and all of his reta- all of his followers, emerald magistrates, and makes them a minor clan under Tsuruchi, just to piss off the lion and the scorpion, who have both been trying to claim the castle and fuck up Tsuruchi, and that's what they become, and that's what they are up until the time that they join the minor clan alliance. They're all an entire clan of bow wielding, pissed off forest revolutionaries, basically. While he's out in the forest, Tsuruchi breaks his sword. He never carries a katana. He is all about the bow, and he thinks that he thinks that Bushido is kind of bullshit. I really like that about him. He thinks it's kind of horse crap. So, Tsuruchi's uh, great. Yeah, he's he's such a bro. Like, God, and he just the way that people get into the clan is like he holds a tournament and is like fuck you, you got to pass my test. You don't just get to be in my clan. Like, I, he, it, what did it say in the in the thing that I read? It was like something like 10 people a year or something like that, up to 10. But like, yeah, he's just like, no, you got to take a test. You got to be good. Yeah. No, they were, I really liked Tsuruchi. He's a great character. The story is, I mean, it's not like high prose, but it's it's fun and it's it's. For early Clan War stuff, it's it's well written enough, and it's one of the better way, better stories for establishing the feel for. It feels like Rokugan in a way that some of the early Clan War stuff doesn't. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and you get like a full characterization of a person, yeah, which is not something that you get from a lot of the other stuff either. Is yeah. like Tsuruchi is a fully fleshed out character with like a life story instead of. Hey, remember that coup that we didn't tell you about? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. He's got a lot more going on. Yep. So, uh, Tsuruchi will go on to have a super fucking fly life. His clan will go on to do cool stuff. But I look forward to telling more stories about Tsuruchi and following him along. He gets up to all kinds of fucking shenanigans. So, fun fact: the Mantis were the first clan I ever played in the CCG. 
Why? I was, when I first picked up the CCG, my, I was told to play the crane because my friend played dragon and he wanted someone to duel with. But the first starter packs that were on sale at Gator Games in Burlingame were Mantis. So I bought a Mantis starter and built a ranged deck and played a bunch of Saruchi archers in gold edition and then played crane for a little bit and then bought a Shadowlands deck to build a Shadowlands dueling deck for Jank. And, and from there, the rest all is downhill. history. <laughs> and then Diamond came out with all the blood speakers. Diamond Edition was all about Yuchiban and blood speakers. And it was just like, oh, fuck, Maho is awesome. And yep. yeah, started reading the fictions in Diamond Edition and read all about Daigotsu and Yuchiban chopping it up and got really into Daigotsu. And it's all sort of downhill from there. So We'll get there. Oh, yeah. Someday. <laughs> very, very far away. Oh, God. Oh, God. We'll get there. So, I think that we have put all of the pieces in place. Maybe. Yeah, this puts us right on the uh, on the off on the on ramp for the notorious battles plural question mark of battles Baden of Pass. Baden's passes. Battles of Baden's passes. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the more arduous research tasks we've undertaken so far for this dumb podcast. Yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about next time. We will go real in-depth because that was what the majority of this fiction and even a lot of the card text and stuff was about was these various battles, Baden's passes. So yeah, we will spend a lot of time digging into that and uh, trying to figure out what happened when. Mm -hmm. We've got the wear down. It yeah. was Baden's pass. <laughs> Yeah, I can. We can say conclusively that the battles, however many there were at Baden's Pass, took place at Baden's Pass. Mm -hmm. We got the yep. wear down. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> so we will be back in two weeks. Garbage of the Five Rings is an independent production and can be found online at www.garbageofthefiverings.com and on Twitter at G5R Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Amelia Antrim, and I can be found on Twitter at Ginger Reckoning. My co-host, Jude Vase, can be found on Twitter at Aramidic Jude. Sources for this episode and further information on the topics discussed can be found in the show notes. Thanks for letting us waste your time. We'll be back in two weeks.